final word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenreiter. Welcome to the award-winning and thanks to you, the highly rated final word. If you're keeping score at home, this is the show that invites you into the conversation. So jump right in. Let's introduce tonight's three panelists. Please welcome the afternoon host at 105.9, the ex Mark Madden. Albie, I want everyone to know that I got offered more money by a competing show to work there tonight, and I turned it down out of loyalty. <laughs> I also want everyone to know that is a flat-out lie, but there's a lot of that going around. All right, you're nothing if not loyal. All right, from our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, welcome back, Dan Kovacevich. Uh, Albie, Mike Sullivan is having a season worthy of the Jack Adams Award. He doesn't care if he gets it. I do. I think he's earned it. And from the Trib, also a Stewart's Radio host, Tim Benz. Hi, Tim. What am I going to do with my Todd Frazier jersey now? <laughs> hey, you have time to think about it. We maybe will discuss that as well as five words we're looking for. The NFL expanding the regular season to 17 games. The NHL trade deadline two weeks away. If you're Ron Hextall or Brian Burke, what moves do you start to think about making? What the Steelers have done in free agency up to this point, including the return of Tyson Alulu yesterday, what's the most pressing need now that they should address in the draft? And what would make this season a successful one for the Pirates? But first, it's the night's big topic. Despite a long list of injuries, the Pens are soaring to Dayan's point about Mike Sullivan. How much confidence do you have uh, that once this group is healthy, they're going to be able to make a deep playoff run? Mark, you're first. Uh, I don't know, Albie, because this team is playing some of the best systemic hockey and best defensive hockey the Penguins have played in quite some time. I'm not sure I have the faith that when some of the stars come back, the top-line players, most notably of Getty Malkin, that they will have that same devotion to systemic hockey and to defense. Uh, Jari's playing as well as can be expected. Latang is quietly having a Norris Trophy caliber season, at least after the first month. They're a one-line team, but that is a terrific line. And some of the bottom run guys who are getting a chance because of all the injuries, like Frederick Gaudreau, are providing energy and the occasional big play. But I still don't know exactly where they stand. And like I said, when some of those injured guys come back, we may find out that less was more. I doubt it, but maybe. Dan? You know, it, it's tough. I, I agree with Mark on this, but mostly because we watched the Penguins without any of their defensemen for a month. Now we're watching them without five of their top nine forwards. So you can fantasize about what it would look like when it's all together, but remember that we had similar fantasies last year, and oh, here it comes. Now the Penguins have everybody, and they get into the playoffs. And I understand it was a bubble and everything else, but it didn't work at all. Uh, I, I want to see what this team looks like when everybody's healthy, but to Mark's point, yeah, let's see you commit to defending the way we're seeing from Freddie Goudreau, these other kids who've come up. That, to me, is going to be the real defining trait of this, this season. Tim? Yeah, it's a very valid concern, and it's one that I have too. I mean, do you want all the guys back that you have at your disposal more than you want them on the sidelines and unable to play? Of course you do. Yeah. I mean, obviously you want everybody back, but at the same time you want to go back in history and have them play the systemic, structured way that Mark was talking about previously, but with all of their healthy and capable players 
at their disposal and they haven't done it. It hurt them against the Islanders. It hurt them against Montreal in a big way as well. So I want to believe that when everybody comes back, we're going to see what they're doing just with more talent on the ice. But all that talent has to buy in and coalesce with the systemic things that they've done in their absence. Well, quite frankly, guys, Gino won't. Gino's going to play how Gino wants. Well, how he wanted was just fine before he got hurt, Mark. I'm sure you'd agree. No question, but when you have one guy coloring outside the lines considerably, that can trickle down in a big way. And one other thing, Albie, they might be a one-line team, as Mark said, but you know what? So is Boston, and Philadelphia is a no-goalie team right now. So they got that going for <laughs> This them. is accurate. A reminder, keep those comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on the NFL expanding to 17 games in the regular season. Andrew on Facebook says 17 games is totally unnecessary. Brian on Facebook, money talks every single time. And finally from Twitter, more money over player safety. Mark, Day, and Tim, five words on the expansion to 17 regular season games. Mark, you're first. Why stop there? Play 18. Look, the NFL players are stupid. All we heard from them for years and years is our brains are getting turned to mush and our bodies are getting beat up, blah, 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 blah. And now they're going to play an extra game for an extra game check, which represents a minuscule fraction of what the owners are making for playing this extra game. The players are stupid. They should look out for their bodies instead of getting one more measly game check. But like I said, they're stupid. Did I mention that they're stupid? Day in five words. It's now the NFL's toughest, meaning the Steelers' schedule. Uh, that's, a, that's a mathematical fact. Uh, last year, the Steelers got off with a way, way lighter schedule, by some measures the easiest, and, and they're going to pay for it this season. Adding Seattle, which is the 17th game, uh, even though it's at home and even though the Seahawks weren't, aren't now what they were two, three years ago, uh, it's still going to be a bear. Tim, five words. Can't be eight and eight. Let's see if Mike Tomlin keeps his never finishing below 500 streak alive now that you don't have an even number to fall on. Although, I wouldn't be stunned if somehow they figured out to go 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one over the 17 games. Tomlin's had two 8-8 eight, eight seasons, a 9-6-1, a 9-7-1. This might be the truest test of the new standard which is just don't be under 500, and that's what you get applauded for in Pittsburgh. That's the Jeff Fisher standard, right? That's how that works? Yeah, it's uh, not the one All we're right. supposed to have, I thought. At least that's not what the sign suggested. Still to come, the NHL trade deadlines, two weeks from tomorrow. If you're Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, what moves do you start thinking about making? All right, let's, before we go to break from Twitter, I don't think they need to make any trades. Everyone is playing great, even with all the injuries. All right, back with more from Mark and Dan. And our work continues after this. The final word. Welcome back. I'm Albie Oxenrider tonight with Mark Madden, Dan Kovacevic, and Tim Benz. The NHL trade deadline, two weeks away. If you're Hextall or Burke, what moves do you start thinking about making? Tim, uh, you're first as the deadline approaches. I would try to find a third or fourth line forward, specifically a center, but an actual third or fourth line center. Not let's pay really big for somebody else's second line guy and make him a third line guy 
as the Penguins have tried to do with forwards, uh, specifically centers, repeatedly in recent years, like Derek Broussard. Uh, I would just look for a smaller return on a guy who's functional in a third or fourth line center role to offset any of the injuries that we're seeing now should they occur later once they get into the playoffs. All right, from Twitter, bottom six center. It would be nice to get a bigger, tougher defenseman as well. Dan, what are you thinking? Uh, I think they're done on defense, to say the least. And you look at all the bodies that they have right now that they aren't even uh, dressing for games. But I would say up front, I'm with Tim in the, in the concept of the third-line center. But I'm thinking more about it from the line standpoint. I'd like to create a third line that can be a scoring threat. I don't know that you can be a deep playoff threat without that. Uh, you think about the Penguins' most recent playoff runs. I know you can't recreate HBK, but what you can do is get a centerman who can work between a couple of wingers. Like, let's say it's Jason Zucker, uh, somebody on the right side, whoever that ends up being, uh, you know, whether that's an Evan Rodriguez or whatever. But get yourself somebody who's in the middle who can take faceoffs, ideally a right shot, and go from there. All right, Mark. Well, Zucker, Bluger, and Tandev is close enough to what Dejan's talking about, and I think that's something they will pursue when everybody's healthy. But I don't think it's a matter of what Hextall and Burke want to do. I think it's a matter of what they can do. How much trade capital do the Penguins have? They have exactly three prospects in the system. That's it, three. They have only two draft picks for the coming draft. Uh, they have a surplus at left D. I guess they could trade Marcus Pedersen, but how much are you going to get from him? And wouldn't trading him in the offseason be better served and getting a pick or getting a prospect? And if you trade him, do you really trust POJ to jump right back in? Because if you trusted him, he'd still be in there. So I think Hextall would like to do something, but unless he trades someone who has a role on the current roster, I'm not sure what he can do. All right, back to the Steelers now and their busy offseason free agency. Dayan, with what the Steelers have done in free agency up to this point, including the return of Tyson Alulu yesterday, what's the most pressing need they should address in the draft? Oh, can we just do this in two words, Albie? Yes. I mean, it's still running back. You know, it just is. Uh, it, there's not nothing changed other than the fact that you've lightened the, the pressure that you have to replace multiple guys on defense by having Alulu back. Uh, I think it's pretty clear at this point that they're going to give Justin Lane a shot at the right corner. That, to me, is the single greatest concern positionally on the defensive side of the ball. But when you're talking about the draft, you're not talking about a corner. You're not talking about any defensive position. When you're talking about the draft, you're talking about running back. You're talking about someone who's plug-and-play from the moment they show up at St. Vincent College. All right, back to Twitter. Their needs are many, and they are great, channeling Chuck Knoll. Uh, Tim, you're up next. Well, I guess then I, we need a uh, running back here that's better than Sidney Thornton, if we're going to go off of that quote, because uh, I believe <laughs> they, that's they, they don't have one right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, because <laughs> I take Sidney over Benny Snell right about now, that's for sure. Uh, look, I, I think Dayon's right when he says that the running back is the most pressing need, and I'll be, I'll be specific in my response to what you said. If you're talking about need, they need a running back more than anything else, because they don't have a starting capable one right now. Mm -hmm. And some might argue that they don't a tackle either. I think that you can probably take a tackle in the first round if you still want one and be 100% validated in doing so. But you better get a running back capable of being your number one in the second round mm -hmm. if that's the case. Mark? I agree that they need to draft a running back, although let me preface it by saying their offensive line stinks. And it would not bother me at all if they took a tackle in the first round. But if the starting running back is Benny Snell or some other low-level jabroni, 
Ben is just not going to hand him the ball. Every run pass option will morph into a pass. A lot of called running plays will be audible into a pass, the same as it's happened last year and two years ago, the two seasons last Ben started all the games and led the league in passing attempts. If there's not a running back in the backfield that Ben feels worthy of getting the ball like Harris or Etienne, it's going to be pass, 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 pass all day long. All right, to baseball now. Pirates regular season opener is this week, Thursday in Chicago. The home opener is a week from Thursday. Mark, what would make the season a successful one for the Pirates? Uh, if they canceled it. Uh, no, uh, what's going to make me vomit, puke, ah, like that puke, little slap shot reference, it will be when Pittsburgh celebrates them not losing 100 games. That's already been the phony baloney bar set. This team might not be so bad. They might not lose 100 games, and then we'll have a parade with confetti when they win their 63rd game. Uh, really, I'm not interested at all, and I'm going to keep telling you that till you stop asking me questions about the Pirates. That's the theme on Facebook. Win over 62 games. Dan, what would make the season a success in your mind? Now, the players who matter, meaning the ones toward their future, have to get better. Last year, they didn't. And this was under new management. This was under a new manager and a new coaching staff. And that was a deep concern. When you see Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman and other guys regressing the way they did, that's a red flag. Now, this spring, they're hitting out of their minds. Uh, I don't buy that any more than anyone else would think that Kevin Newman's going to end up hitting 741 the way he is right now in Bradenton, or that Adam Frazier's going to hit 553. But they need to get better. Uh, however, I, I think the pitching is going to be better than what most people expect. I think the hitting is going to be worse than what most people expect. I don't think, if, you want, if you're looking for a win-loss type of thing, I don't think you'll see them lose 90. All right, Tim. I think a successful season would be if their pitching staff's ERA isn't 741, which is kind of what I'm expecting at this point. But Cabrian Hayes not regressing. I'll set the bar that low. I mean, I just want to see Cabrian Hayes avoid what happened to Brian Reynolds in his sophomore season, uh, Josh Bell in his second season. We've talked before about Mitch Keller getting better, and I think this is going to Dayon's larger mm -hmm. point. You want to see some of the guys who took a step back last year take a step forward this year and kind of get back on track in terms of development. Sure, I hope for that, but my biggest thing is let's not see Cabrian Hayes have to take that step back to do it again in his third year like we're rooting for these guys to do. Well, all things being relative, Tim, Cabrian hit 414 last year, and he's hitting pretty much the same thing in spring training, so a step back is kind of okay. He could still be Rod Carew and take a big step back. All right, when we come back, we're going to go around the horn on any topic. The final word is next. Welcome back, and it's time for the final word. Everybody gets a chance, and Tim Benz, you're first. Albie, if I seemed a little dizzy during the show tonight, that's because I've been riding the Steelers' spin cycle this offseason. As you all know, there is quite the spin control that goes out in the free agency time of year for the Steelers. Like, for instance, Tyson Alualu this week, who I'm very happy is back. Like the guy, important player. I said that, though, when he was about to leave for Jacksonville, whereas most of Steeler Twitter told me, guys, just a nose tackle. They only play 40% of the time anyway. Ah, he's an easy guy to replace. Then he decides to come back, and it's, oh, my God, he's Casey Hampton 2.0. Can we just get our narrative straight and pick one 
please, instead of talking out of both sides of your mouths all the time about what the Steelers are either are or not going to be in 2021. Mark, final word. Uh, Tim did exactly my final word, so I just want to say I'm glad Juju's back. He took less money. He's a great credit to the city of Pittsburgh. He's a fine young man. I love the dancing, and I can't wait for his next TikTok. <laughs> Day and final word. No one cares about the Jack Adams Award. It's voted on by broadcasters. It goes to the NHL's best coach or coach of the year. Coaches don't care about it. Their resumes definitely don't care about it because they all get fired. Mike Sullivan has had a Jack Adams level season. The Penguins started out 5-5-1 with serious doubts about them even when they started winning again because of how poorly they were playing. One person and one person alone kept that group focused and believing in who they are. They're still not necessarily all that. They still might not win the Stanley Cup, to put it mildly. But for them to get from where they were to right now, that is on the head coach. All right. Thanks, guys. Our final word now from social media and Twitter. Take the field instead of Gonzaga. I'm not so sure about that. All right. Thank you, Quentin, huh? for making the switch and joining the coolest viewership group in Pittsburgh. Watching the final word. I stayed, Albie. I got offered more money, and I stayed. Yes, a did. show in Baltimore, a show in Kansas City. Philadelphia offered me multiple He's years. He's just trying to build his brand, Albie. Don't pay any attention to him. It's all about loyalty. And if we have time next week, we'll talk about guitar solos. Quick streaming program reminder, Wednesday night, 730. Halftime adjustments. Download the app for free and check us out. Thank you again, Quentin. That's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Mark. Day in and Tim, thanks for staying up late with us. We'll see you next time.